Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. With inflation still impacting the U.S. middle class, many pet owners are abandoning their pets to pay for family needs. The consequence, according to MSN News, is, quote, animal shelters across the U.S. are overflowing, unquote. So we take a look at pets in the U.S. and around the world. Today with us on The Bridge is Alex Schur. Hello. Hello, Jason. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Do you have a pet? I don't. It's too big of a responsibility. Ah. <laughs> so have you ha- have you had a pet in the past? I had fish when I was a tiny little child, but that barely counts as having a pet. I have, however, helped my friends dog sit or cat sit many, many times. Oh, yeah. What's that like? It's great. It's like babysitting other people's kids. You know, you have the fun playtime and you do a little bit of the responsibility work and you get to give them back to their owners. So you don't have to worry about them <laughs> day and night nonstop. It sounds it makes me sound like a really horrible person. No, I used to say the same thing to I used to be a kindergarten teacher and the parents would say, well, you're so great with my kid, you know, whatever they need, shower shower or whatever. <laughs> I would say, yeah, because at 3.30, I pass them back to you. <laughs> exactly. I don't have to wake up at like six, five in the morning to make them breakfast and then <laughs> get them dressed and send them to school. Yeah. Well, would you consider getting a pet someday? Here's the thing. I've always been telling people that, hey, listen, if one day you hear that Alex is getting a dog, please come and congratulate me not on getting the dog because that would be the day where I am financially and mentally stable enough wow. <laughs> to have a dog, meaning that I don't have to cater my schedule to whatever work engagements, responsibilities, potential networks, or just me having to do something to completely take my mind off all of the heavy work assignments and all of the mental stress I have. That's the day when I'm going to say I'm going to have a dog. And I am the type of potential dog owner that doesn't want to put my dog in an apartment because I want them to run in the backyard. And when I get a dog, that means I have a house with a backyard, Jason. So if I tell you that I keep saying dog, 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 you know, cats are way low maintenance. <laughs> they, oh God, I think that's such a myth. I have cats. Oh my God. You do? How many cats do you have? Two, right? Oh, Maymay, just one. We have two cats. Two cats. Maymay, and we recently adopted a cat that was rescued from the Hutongs. And so now we have two. Yeah, that's still like you can't leave them for too long. And people always tend to think, oh, I can just travel for five days and my cats will be okay. I'll just have some friend come over once or twice to check on them, give them food and clean their litter. Those cats, they got so emotional. Really? How do you mean? Could you describe this emotional (laughs) behavior? (laughs) What? I'm going to call my friend Emma out. I love her. She's like a little sister, but she went away for three weeks and because we live really close to each other. So I naturally just went to take care of her cat called Bailando. 
<laughs> and um, quite a name. I know. <laughs> two weeks in, he was fine, and he was a lot more needy. He was a lot like milder than he always was because he was a bad cat. He would like run just do like parkour kind of stuff when you're around, and then he would. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, he's a crazy cat, and he doesn't want to really hang out with people when she has guests over. But during that three weeks, every time I go over, this cat just slams his dead his head on the floor. Just says, "Hey, look, I'm doing so much. Please play with me. Pet me." Or don't leave me. And then towards the end of the three weeks, <laughs> long story short, apparently this cat peed and pooed on my friend's bed. <laughs> That's normal. He got. That's normal. The, when really the cats mad. get upset, they do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and our other friend said, "Well, maybe you know what? Maybe your cat wasn't upset that you were gone for so long. Maybe he just thought you were dead. <laughs> you haven't been back for so long. And he's thinking this place is mine. Let me mark my territory. So wow. people think they can leave the cat for like a while, but they can't really." I was just over to at another friend's house yesterday feeding their cat. And <laughs> that cat is like, also, when we were trying to leave, oh my God, he just came over and just lied down by our feet and started to hug it. Well, <laughs> don't leave. I have a couple of stories as well, because, you know, I agree and don't agree with some of the things you said. Yeah, cats are totally emotional and they will get mad and do things out of revenge. But I literally, if I go on vacation, yeah. <laughs> I must leave my cat alone because... I'll give you a reason why. This is just one example out of a suite of examples of why this is true. Yeah. Summer and I, we moved to Wuhan. We arrived in Wuhan. We had to stay in a hotel. Okay. So instead of normally just like taking mm. Mei Mei, which was our only cat at the time with us wherever we went, we put her in one of those cat retreats, right? Where they she gets mm. taken care of by professionals. Okay. When we came to pick her up, it was only three days. It was three days. We came every day to check on her. I think it was the very first day, actually. <laughs> We came the next day just to say hi to her after we'd been searching for apartments and stuff. Yeah. And the employee had a huge fresh scratch all over their face, on their face. And we were like, how is your cat? And she's like, they don't oh, no. like to talk to anyone. And she seemed oh, shaken. And she was like curled up in the corner and she was behaving. And we had her for 10 years already. She's making noises we'd never heard her make. And she was even angry at me. She would never do anything to me. But this time she was like, Aww, poor know, thing. screw you. <laughs> like, what the hell have you done? Why did you do this to me? Yeah. And so they were like, they were too afraid to give her water and too afraid to give her food. You know, she, and it's not like her. She's the mild cat I've ever had out of like yeah. 20 cats that I've had in my life. But she was like, yeah. you can't just leave me in some random place with people I don't know. <laughs> yeah, our friend sent their cat over to our place for a month and a half as well. And the cat was the quietest cat. We watched it grow up, you know, when he, he was first adopted as a little kitten. And he never really made noises. And then he wasn't like super interactive with people. But when he was staying with us, he apparently thought there was no babies in this household. So I am the favorite thing that's breathing in here. So let me just rule all of you, which is fine. But when they came to pick up the cat to bring it home and they were trying to put the cat into the carrier, the way that the cat struggled to not get into that carrier, it was sad and hilarious at the same time. And then when they took it out of the door, they already said goodbye and they're waiting for the elevator. We could hear that cat. It's not even meowing. It was just angry, like <laughs> groaning in the hallway. Like, you know, when cats get really mad and they have this really low voice and they go, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. like a baby cow or something. Yeah. It was, oh God. Hey, so, you know, I want to put this into the context. We're talking about all of our experiences here in China, right? So, yes. You know, I don't know 
anyone ever who's abandoned their dog or cat. I've heard stories of finding abandoned dogs and cats, but I don't know any owners that have ever done that. So, you know, I think it happens in every country where there are some people who do this and people love their pets. I know people who lost their dog. I'm not going to say his name. And this was like five, six years ago. He's still like mourning his dog. Oh man, that's so So sad. We love our pets like their family, like they're, you know, people, you know, they are, they're people, they're different species, but they're, you know, they have personalities. They are people in that sense. So the fact that I'm looking at this MSN.com article, we're inundated. Animal shelters across the U.S. are overflowing. The story is by Aline Tekmedian and Alexandra Petri. This comes from December 2023. You know, people don't want to give up their pets. People don't want to put their pets in shelters. The fact that people have to put their pets in shelters, giving up family members because they can't afford to take care of their needs, says a lot about what is going on in the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy must be really bad if people are giving up their family members. It's crazy. Honestly, when I was looking at the deck name of today's episode and I was just like, it's hard for me. There are always people abandoning pets that, you know, they can't afford it or it's too much trouble, whatever. But the fact that they're abandoning it to like save costs so that their family members could live or they could have an easier life because of how bad the economy is, is a little beyond my comprehension, to be very, very honest. Well, you know, I was in preparation for this uh, discussion with you. I was doing all kinds of research. One thing I found is that enormous amount of American pet owners have insurance for their veterinarian bills. Never really occurred to me because Ah. my pets have largely been healthy and we've been very lucky and we haven't had outstanding bills. And I hope it stays that way. Yeah, but I do have a friend here who's an Irish gentleman who's been living in Beijing for longer than me, almost 20 years now. And his pet took a swan dive out of a nine-story building. Oh my God. And it broke a bunch of its bones but didn't die. And he brought it to the vet and they reset its collarbone and all kinds of things. And it was, it's mostly okay now. That's good. But he spent something like 10,000 RMB, which is actually not that much. That's like, I don't know, over a thousand dollars. Yeah. But it was like life or death. It's like, are we going to put her down at this point or save her life? And so they decided, but you know, veterinarian bills, wherever you are, are going to be expensive. But in the United States, certainly much more expensive. Some of the insurance plans are as much as $4,000 a year for your pet. That says- That's the insurance. Yeah, that's the insurance for some pets. So, you know, I think that the cost of maintaining a pet is a lot right now. You have veterinary bills, you have food, you have water. I guess that's mostly it. Yeah. But I guess that's too much for a lot of Americans who can no longer afford their pets. Wow. And, you know, I have to say the sad thing that we all know is true, that if you give up your dog to some shelter, some pounds, and they can't find a new owner after a certain amount of time. They have to put them down, right? They have to put them down. That's right. So that is such a crazy thing. Clearly, American pet owners love their pets. So the fact that this is happening is a very good metric, is an indication of how bad the U.S. economy actually is, in my opinion. Yeah, you wonder whether there's a better way. And it's just the people that work at the shelters, I assume, are probably people who love pets the most because they have to deal with all kinds of Mm, mm, pets from different backgrounds, from different traumatic experiences. And they really need to have the passion, the love, and the patience to take care of these pets. But at the same time, because of their the nature of their work, they do have to, when there is an overflow of pets staying with them, they have to 
to put them. I can't imagine doing that job where you love them one day and the next day you just have to put them down. Oh God, that must be so incredibly torturing for people. But like you said, if the economy's bad, like what can people do? I wanted to read a little bit out of this article because I think my words are just speculative. Mm. Oh yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. The Cynthia Rigney, board president of the San Gabriel Valley Humane Society, says that we're all under the gun. It's a mess. And some of the statistics in this article are 9% of dogs Mm. at government-run or contracted shelters and rescue organizations were put down from January to October last year. So that's about, you know, one in 10 dogs. Oh, God. 10 dogs. Yeah, one in 10 dogs. That's right. So Rigney, this uh, board president, also says that we're primarily filled with big dogs. So I think that feeding them part probably is what Mm. families are having difficulty affording. And that's why they're going to give them up. Imagine you're working a full-time job and a part-time job and you still can't afford rent and, you know, you have kids. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe the choice is between survival and the dog. And that's what's happening to some families in America, so much so that it's becoming, you know, it's inundating government facilities with pets that they cannot move back out into other loving families. That makes sense. This is a happier note for big dogs in China. There's a lot of really popular content on social media here mm-hmm. where it's just big dogs having their meals. And then the way that the owners prepare their meals here, I was watching them and just wondering how much money you have to spend on all of those things because they have these frozen, like, you know, animal organs or frozen vegetables and fruits that are in really cute shapes. And then some of them feed their dogs with fresh raw meat and eggs and, you know, and then they all get like, so nice little place where their dog gets to eat and they also show how well trained the dogs are Mm -hmm. just telling you that hey yes they eat raw meat it's actually better for them but they're not going to attack the owners or whatever so there's a lot of that and I understand that it's probably a huge expense on a household Mm. people go to the pound and people rescue dogs which is you know what people who run these facilities oftentimes campaign for people to do so that's one of the reasons we adopted Dahlia which is our new cat. Um, Mm. We adopt... What a name. We didn't name her, but we felt like she was already three or four months old, five months old. I'm not sure exactly. We felt like, okay, if that's what she's been called, then we shouldn't change it. Otherwise, she'll get confused. Mm. Good for you. (laughs) You know, we adopted her from the streets. They rescued her in the Hutongs. And what these companies do or these groups, these organizations do is they go and rescue animals and then they find them homes. And in our case, we wanted to help with that process. But they also ensure that if they capture animals like cats that are too wild to be given to someone, that they ensure that they spay or neuter those animals before they re-release them. In our case, our cat Dahlia Mm. was rescued along with her mom. But her mom was so ferocious that they couldn't, Mm. they didn't even try to place her. They just, you know, brought her to the vet and made sure she could no longer reproduce and released her back because there was no chance of her finding a forever home. So we didn't know any of that. We just found out there was an adorable kitten and we were like, give, give, give. Mm. So we gave a donation to the company because they asked us, please give a donation. And we took this kitten off the street. And in so doing, when people do this, when they go to the pound, when they go 
to a shelter, when they go to a rescue organization, they deplete the total amount of animals without homes who need someone to take care of them. And I have to say, the part of the problem is that the breeders, because breeders are trying to make profit by creating, through special breeding programs, superior animals, and then they sell those to wealthy people. Oftentimes, this does several things. Some of the breeding programs are breeding for beauty, and those animals suffer as a consequence of their poorly mis matched genetics. And so you have, for example, dogs with very narrow hip bones because it's attractive to wealthy owners. But in fact, it actually creates a lot of pain and it may be a shorter lifespan for that animal. So I just want to reiterate what a lot of animal rescue pound and sheltering groups would say here Mm. is that please don't go to a breeder. Please rescue an animal that needs a home. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that TV show called Unbreakable Tim. Kimmy Schmidt and they have this joke in there where this really rich lady has a dog that has no tail and apparently it cannot urinate and then she's like oh these are, yeah, she's like, oh these are just one of the new breeds that are breed that are designed for rich people with a really short lifespan and all kinds of problems <laughs> they can feel like they're taking care of something God. you know there's another thing it's like <laughs> maybe you can't afford a really fine rich animal you know shelters are literally giving these animals away like you know the, the pound is like a very low fee. It's, you know, like $10 in some case, or sometimes it's completely free depending on the state and the individual institution. And when we went to some cat stores in Wuhan, they were like premium cat stores. We were thinking about getting a cat Mm. to accompany our Maymay. We were really, the reason we we eventually got another cat was for Maymay. We were like, we feel guilty you know, she you don't want Mamie to be an only child. Yeah, we don't want her to be alone and be confused or think she's a human. All these weird. Yeah. So we were like, okay, let's get her a friend to play with and then I'll keep her healthy. She'll have someone to. And they do. It's great. But we went to some cat stores in Wuhan and they were three and four thousand RMB, which is like five, six hundred bucks for a young kitten that is like ready to take home. Mm. So we were like, wow, that's kind of expensive. Maybe we'll just find a friend mm. who gets a litter accidentally or something. We came back to Beijing and we decided we do want a cat. You know, Mei Mei needs a friend. So we found that there is a group here that rescues cats Mm. in Beijing and that they're a part of a network of animal rescue organizations who find, you know, stray cats and stray dogs or dogs that their human family has passed away or whatever. And they find new forever homes for those animals. And so it was technically could have been free. Mm, we yeah. ended up giving them a donation of only 250 RMB, which was like what they called their minimum donation, mm. which is like what, 40 bucks? Something like that? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like... A little more than that, but very close. What is that? 1% of the cost of going to a store? So I'm imagining, you know, you're in the United States, you're in England, you're in China, you're wherever. If you want to get an animal, why would you go pay 100 times more for an animal which might have physical disabilities because it's been in a weird breeding program when you could go save an animal that needs a home Mm. and 
you know, be part of the solution. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand there are people that want to show their status and their, you know, their fortune and they want to have like really rare breeds of dogs or cats or whatever. But for most of us, we just want to have a little cute thing at home that, you know, we want to have, we want to treat them as friends or family and we want them to feel like they're happy with us because we all know the feeling when you rub a cat on a purse or, or when a dog comes and wagging its tail to you. And it really doesn't matter. Like, I understand maybe it, they you want different looks of dogs, but go to the, like Jason said, they have all kinds of dogs being, oh, that sounds so wrong. They do. They have all kinds of dogs. Yeah, but I just felt like it sounded like all kinds of dogs <laughs> are being abandoned and you can choose from the abandoned ones. That's true, though. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. All sorts of breeds need homes. So, you know, I would also be very careful the people who are, like you mentioned earlier, the people who run these kinds of facilities are very sensitive people and they really love animals. So if you call them up and I'm, and you're like, I want yeah. a German shepherd, short hair between the ages of blah, blah, blah. And they're not going to be receptive to that. <laughs> so, you know, look at what they have on their websites or whatever they kind of, you know, social yeah. media and say, oh, okay, they have a cat named tick or something. I want that cat. Don't just like call up and arrogantly request like your favorite breed because that's yeah. probably not going to go the way you think it is. You said positive. So I have some positive as well. This is from winnipegfreepress.com yeah. by Associated Press. Janie McCauley. Okay. Nearly one third of the U.S. homeless population lives in California. This veterinarian cares for the pets. So that's, I guess it's not all good because we're talking about homeless people. But yeah. there's a veterinarian, Dr. Kwane Stewart goes out for free when he's not at his own practice and goes from homeless camp to homeless camp with his own kit, and, you know, a huge bag that he carries around with him. And he offers free veterinarian services to homeless persons mm. who have animals. And I think that's beautiful. That is. And you've we've all seen, I think this comes with a little understanding efforts for a lot of people here because not bragging or complaining or comparing or whatever, but we don't really see homeless people just wandering on the street. So it's already hard for people to understand, right. let yeah. alone living out on the street, not really having a stable source of even food and shelter, but you keep a pet with you. But to a lot of those people, as you know, I've also seen when I was in the States, like it really is important for people that are struggling so much, that are going through such hardships in life. They don't have a shelter over their head. And the only kind of emotional supports they have is the pet that they keep most of the times they're dogs and imagine the living conditions of these pets and i think this is incredibly amazing for this vet to give them the care that they need and it's helping in another way and it is heartwarming it's kind of you know a beautiful story that someone is trying to make yeah I, I agree with you i also think it's really interesting because he lives in oakland you know, which is if you get in a car and drive to Los mm. Angeles, that's seven, eight hours. You know, if you're doing the speed limit, you're being really safe. It's going to take you eight hours to get to Los Angeles from Oakland. And uh, he goes to Skid Row, which is in Los Angeles regularly. Yeah. So he literally drives, you know, yeah. I don't know what that is, six, seven hundred miles to go help these people and these animals make sure that their animals have mm. care. He, they call him the street vet, which is, I think, is a wonderful moniker for this gentleman who goes to San Diego, to Los Angeles, to Texas, even New Mexico, where he goes to homeless, you know, camp. 
camps and looks for animals that may need, you know, some help. So I think that's amazing because certainly a homeless person, what are they going to do if their dog gets sick? There's pretty much nothing they can do it other than like give it up to the pound and hope that that gets taken care of. Yeah. Like they can't just go into a vet and demand help. You know, a lot of vets, they charge a lot of money, especially in America. With that $4,000 annual insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. So I wanted to talk about, okay, so what is it that we're talking about here when we're talking about Americans who are forced to give up their pets owing to financial hardship? So I have an article here from Deseret. I hope I'm saying that right. Sorry if I just butchered your website name, .com. Woof, U.S. pet spending passes $100 billion, now outpacing booze, clothes, and books. Interesting booze is on that list. I wonder how much money that is. I thought booze would be, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, guys. Maybe slow down on the booze, too, by the way. So this is from <laughs> November 28th by Art Raymond. And yeah, people are spending enormous amounts of money, like you just mentioned when you, with your, you know, bougie stories, especially chopped up, you know, Summer and I, my wife and I, we just buy whatever we find on JD mm. that we think might be okay and then see, do the cats like this? And then sometimes the answer is yeah. no. <laughs> you know, like we got these cans. Firstly, there's a kind of wet food that I get from the uh, grocery store and we give it to Maymay for years and years and she loves it. So my wife thought, oh, I'll get this all these cans, this huge, like entire, you know, bunch of cans that come together in a giant box. It's all wet food. She's going to love it. And then she was just like, nah. Nope. And so <laughs> now we just have all these cans of wet food that we don't know what to do with them. I even tried mixing it with other food that she likes. And then she's still like, no, I'm not eating yeah. it. Who do you think I am? <laughs> like, so I've smelled it too. I wouldn't eat that. Oh my God. It doesn't smell great. But, you know, we do get these huge bags that they do like sometimes. And we're like, okay, we'll stick with this brand until, you know, whatever happens. Mm. And some of it smells really good, by the way. It smells like something I would eat. <laughs> I didn't try it, but, you know, it doesn't smell bad. It smells like something you'd find in like a bowl at a bar. <laughs> yeah, I've tried by accident. <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay, wait. Not the wet food. I'm sorry. Whatever story I was telling can wait. Not the wet food. You got to tell me, how did you in accidentally end up eating cat food, Alex? So I was cat sitting one friend's cat in our place. And another friend who's also a cat lover decided to give me something. And then so she gave me snacks. And then she also packed snacks for the cat. And so she just came over and then she just put everything on the table. But we just went straight into talking. So we didn't have time to like clarify which one. One was for human, which one was for kittens. And, you know, I don't know if you've had those type of fish flavored, like basically dried fish or dried squids and stuff. Yeah, I think that's what we have right now. Yeah. Right. Like for humans, we eat that. Like, oh, oh, we, oh, no. <laughs> so we eat that. And then the snacks that my friend packed for this other friend's cat was in those individual packages. It wasn't a big <laughs> bag with like signs and stuff. And it looked like those dried squids. So I just opened up a bag and then it started eating. The worst thing is my friend saw that and she didn't say anything. Uh -huh. And she just... She should have pulled her phone out and taken a picture. <laughs> I think she eventually did. If I remember correctly, she eventually did because she basically watched me after, like watched me finishing the whole tiny little package. And then she said, oh, by the way, this is for the cat. I was like, what kind of friend are you? <laughs> That's fantastic. She let you finish the bag? She did. She did. It was a small package, but it's like oh those my snacks gosh. that you give the cat. That is you know? awesome. Oh, it's not awesome. Oh, actually, it did taste just like human food. Oh, good girl. It tastes just like human food. I will verify <laughs> that. And I'm not just trying to say this to save face, but well, maybe it, it, it is really human food. It does taste like human food. Sure. 
I've actually thought about trying my cat's cat food sometimes. I'm like, it smells okay. Yeah, it doesn't smell bad. Maybe I would try that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, why not? You know, it's edible, right? Animals yeah. can eat it. They're similar to us. Okay, so this, I think I got this paragraph from the article we were just reading about the cost. November 28th, the Woof U.S. Pet Spending Passes $100 billion. It's a great paragraph here and it explains everything I wanted to say in this whole entire episode. So a new report from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics finds pet-related expenses are making up a growing percentage of consumers' budgets, rising from $57.8 billion in 2013 to $102.8 billion in 2021, mm. a nearly 78% increase. Over the same period, Huge job. Annual average annual incomes have increased by 46%. So it looks like the cost of having a pet is starting to pass the amount of money that we're making. So less people are able to now afford pets. That's the reality. That's what the numbers yeah. say. Uh, there's another uh, bit down here, a couple of paragraphs down, mm. and it says um, the different categories that pet purchases include are supplies, medicine, non-veterinary pet services, and veterinary services and food. And in 2021, pet owners on average spent more than $5,700 in these areas combined. So I'm presuming that means per pet or maybe if you have two pets. I don't know. That's what wow. I guess the average pet owner spends. I'm not sure if that's per pet or for all pets that that owner has that they're specifying. It does not say, but that's a lot of money. And RMB, just to put that in perspective mm. for our Chinese listeners, that's like 30,000 <laughs> RMB a year. I don't spend that. I, I'm shocked. Summer and I, uh, we must spend four or 5,000 a year tops for both of our cats. RMBs, which is like eight or $900. So we're spending way, way less than this. I guess the cost of maintaining yeah. a pet in the United States must just be much greater. I want to make this, it's speculation as well. And I just guess I don't want to, you know, definitely this is edge cases is not everybody, but there's this kind of unhealthy competition between uh, pet owners that I'm pretty sure that's the same here and in the United States where like my pet is living in this type of specific condition and it could have a better life and I'm trying treating it as a family member, which means as a family member, you don't just get food and water. You also get costumes. Of course, everybody does that is really cute. You also get birthday <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> have you seen those dog birthday parties? I don't have costumes or birthday celebrations. I've seen those dog birthday parties. They're just as extravagant as like yeah, a rich them. kid's birthday party. It's kind of insane. Oh my god, It's kind of insane. I think that is insane. I'm sure the dog is like, this is colorful <laughs> and pretty and I'm having fun, but they're not aware that there's like a reason and it's them. Like <laughs> like in their dog's senior time, they're gonna you know, lay on the floor and then think, oh, when I had my one year birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think, you know, we should take care of our animals and treat them well. And I think for the reality about animals is they need your human attention. Yeah. They don't need all these gizmos and gadgets. We occasionally get gizmos and gadgets. We got them some, you know, jungles to play on and special yeah. toys and stuff. But they need that. But it's not that expensive and we don't do it very often. The main thing they need is time with me or yeah. with Summer, you know, or with other people who come over like to play with them. They love attention and being petted and held and, and you know, played with. And if you don't give them that, then you are depriving them of what, you know, they need as a being, as a person. But if you're giving them that on a daily basis, yeah. you're giving them attention periodically, then that's the main thing that an animal needs, you know, food, water, and human attention from their owners who have taken them from their natural environment and put them in this bizarre human environment. At least that any 
of us can do is to spend time with them, to pet them, to, you know, let them know that they're loved and things like that's what and you don't need to have a gigantic rich kid's birthday party for your dog to make your dog feel loved. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's really for me, it's really like having a kid. And then, of course, the financial burden, not burden, the financial cost expenses that you have to spend on a pet. It's not neglectable. It's still something. But the more important aspect of being a pet owner is the emotional investment. Like I've seen people who get a cat or a dog without really knowing what it means to be a cat or dog owner. And they're not really sure what their pets need. Basically, like they want to do things that mm-hmm, a dog mm-hmm. owner should do to their cats. I've seen this before. I've seen this a million, not a million times. That's too exaggerated. But I've seen it many times where people are like, oh, I want my cat to like walk, <laughs> walk outside with me. So I'll put it on a leash and I'll try to walk it. If they don't walk, I'll drag them. I've seen very special occasions. Some cats can. Do I know. That. Exactly. Rare. It's rare. But because people when it's rare, people put it on social media because it's fun. It's rare to see. But then the other people see they're like, right, oh, then right, I'll drag right. my cat out as well. I was like. No, your cat is not just going to be like that cat, just like not everyone is going to be, every kid is going to be Einstein or something. There's only one or a few. Well, you know, my cats are inside cats because we live in, a, you know, apartment towers the whole time we've lived in. Yeah. My cat, Maymay, doesn't even barely know there is an outside world other than looking through the window, right? <laughs> so we did get one of those completely, yeah. not just with the bubble, but the completely transparent backpack. And then we put our cat. Oh my God, that is so cute. One at a time, I will take a cat and put it inside and I'll walk to the park in the spring and the fall and in the summer, not that much in the winter. Uh-huh. Walk them around and sit them down so they can just look and see, wow, you know, for them, it's like, I don't know, being in an aquarium or like going to space or something. So it's very, you seldom, and then just to see that there is a reality out there, that there are other people that probably, and she's fascinated. Like, what is this place? What is that thing? Why is, you know, she'll see a dog. That's the weirdest looking cat I've ever seen. Like, Why does that cat make that noise? Right, exactly. So, you know, my new cat hates that. I guess she must have had a tough time on the streets growing up because she grew up in the Hutongs. But when I put her in the bag... She's like, I don't need to see the street. She recoils into the corner of the bag like... Like, terrified until I get her back into the house. I'm pretty sure that she does not like going outside. In fact, she avoids looking out the window sometimes. I think she's just scared. She's just happy that she has a home and she doesn't want to leave that. You know, this is the thing I'm really worried about. Many times during May May's life, from when she was a kitten to now, we moved home. We moved eight times or something like that. Mm. So May May is used to the fact that things change. But our new cat, we've lived here for a year and a half. And we're probably not going to move for a while. So... Someday when we move, I think it's going to be very traumatizing for her because she's going to feel like we're... Probably. Yeah, yeah. We brought it... Also... Meme is very adaptive, I I think. uh, Yeah, she's used to it. The first time or two that we moved, she was like, what the heck have you done? You know? But now I think I'm watching her as we do things and I think she knows, oh, okay, it's moving time (laughs) because all the boxes are here, right? (laughs) Oh, because cats are notorious when it comes to moving houses. Like, everybody knows that they hate it Mm. and they know, they always know they always know you're moving and when you're moving they always know when you're leaving like when we had the cat over at our house when we were gonna go for a business trip oh god we had our suitcases out and he just jumped right into it he's like you're not leaving this (laughs) try dare you even consider this (laughs) pack me and then go (laughs) you know we found ways to 
move animals too. So there are services here in China because Summer and I, we don't have a car. So we fly from one city to the other. We mail most of our stuff yeah. to our new home and then we fly there. So the first couple times we, we flew Mei, mm. Mei and she didn't like that. By the time she got out, she was like, I'm going to kill you. Mm. But we used a service, which was an overnight car drive, yeah. which goes back and forth between cities. There's a network of drivers who drive car loads full of animals. You put them in the cage, you go downstairs, they put a special ribbon on it that snaps off so you know that no one's opened that cage. You put your food and whatever in and water in there however you want to. And then they just drive mm. nonstop until they get to the next city and drop it off at the location of your choice. Okay. So when we were coming from Wuhan, it was like overnight and arrived and then we just pulled her out of there. She it was really interesting because there was a big dog next to her going <laughs> and for the next two or three days after May May came out of that car. May May would occasionally be going like, <laughs> it was a new thing. I think she like picked up the vibration. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so. She got like into so the vibration cute. of that. <laughs> and then she took it on. Anyway, yeah, bizarre. Yeah. But you know, you hang out with a friend, you start to pick up their habits. I guess the same thing for animals. Yeah. I think that's just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listening to the bridge. This is from Forbes.com Pet Ownership Statistics 2023 by Michelle Magna, and it means US statistics here. So I thought this would be interesting for a lot of people. 66% of US households in 2021, it doesn't say that here, but I read the statistics somewhere else also, own a pet. That means two thirds of all American households have some kind of pet of some kind, and dogs are the most popular pet. So that means there's yeah. tens of millions of dogs in America. Yeah, that's a large proportion of people. I think. And according to this, according to Forbes, it's not 5700 that they spend. It's dog owners spend an average of $730 on their dogs. I guess that means a year. It doesn't specify, but I'm assuming they mean a year because a lifetime of dog supplies is going to cost a lot more than $730. Way more than that. Yeah. yeah so that's bearable. <laughs> uh, cats are the usually the second most common animals to be kept. So cats and dogs... And, you know, I guess you've had fish as a child. I come so surprised that you've had so few. As the resident Chinese person on our show, I have to ask you, is owning a pet a common thing? If so, what pets do you think most of your Chinese friends, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents kind of have? I actually think like a lot of people have dogs, but because we can see them, we can see people walking on the streets or just walk their dogs outside. But I do think nowadays cats are probably more popular just because you don't have to walk them. And a lot of young people in my old company or, or just even young professionals, my friends that I know, they want pets, but they can't really afford just walking the dogs once or twice or, you know, some dogs require three times walking, but they can't afford that. So a lot of them have cats instead of dogs, maybe because they love cats more. But I think I could be wrong, but I think cats probably more common than dogs. And yes, it's very common for people to own pets. But I'm not sure if it's as much as 66% of the households. That's pretty high. Yeah, I haven't been to more than a couple dozen Chinese homes since I've moved to China in 10 years, you know, honestly. Yeah. So my experience of animals are usually restaurants. And <laughs> a lot of restaurants have a big fish tank. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's the fish tank for eating, right? Yeah, that's different. I mean, fish tank full of like pretty fish. So like I always just thought, wow, Chinese people love fish. 
because every time I go into a fancy Chinese restaurant, there's a giant fish tank. But I guess not the case at people's homes. I don't know. My wife's mom had a dog for a while, but I don't. Oh, and my grandmother, my wife's grandmother who lives in the countryside, she had a dog yeah, that lived with her in the countryside. So yes. And she lived in like a small countryside hutong style situation. And she had a dog there. While we were there, she chained the dog up, which I thought was bizarre. But, you know, and also you go to the park yeah. and there's a lot of fish. You know, I go to Yuan Ming Yuan like a couple times a year and there's always just... I don't know, tens of thousands of koi fish swimming in various places there. Oh, my God. Every travel destination here in China pretty much has a, a koi fish pond. We went to see one the other day. I think it was October holiday. I saw the fattest koi fish. It's almost like it's a little crazy. It's like out of this world. I've never imagined that a koi fish could get that wide. And well, how big I was it? You know how koi fish has this proportion? And then there's like, you know, okay, there are koi fish that are well fed and they're a little bigger. That koi fish, not even exaggerating, not a hyperbole, was technically round. It's insane. <laughs> it was insane. That's, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it was a cartoon character. It would be really cute. But in real life, you do look at it and you think that can't be good for the fish. Like, how long can it still make it in this world? Wouldn't be that shape in the water. I was in Taipei. We went to a museum there uh -huh. and they had koi fish there that were as big as my forearm. Every koi fish. There was like a pond full of koi fish as big yeah. as a male forearm. And I was kind of shocked because most of the fish that I've seen in other Chinese cities are like half that size. Uh -huh. And so I was like, are these like genetically different or are they just like fed different? Like, are they older? How, why are they so big? Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of shocking to me. I also see a lot of turtles. In Chinese ponds and outside and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I have never seen a turtle in someone's home. My grandma has two. <laughs> oh, yes, she has two. Okay. Yeah. She has those ones that are water, like, you know, aquatic turtles. They could live in and out of water, both. They're called tortoise, toy, tortoise. <laughs> What's the word? Tortoises. 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 That's such a yeah. They're not, you know, because you can't really have like sea turtles as a pet, I assume. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I just want to see that one time, some rich dude with like a gigantic aquarium. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I think people that in Southeast Asia, some people definitely have turtles as their pet and they just like, you know, dig a tunnel or something and then have the seawater, the ocean water in their backyard and there's turtle in there. No, but the turtles, they're actually turtles that used to be really popular when I was little. They used to sell those really tiny turtles or like five quite each outside of our school oh right 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 yeah, yeah and then i would buy them i think i bought two at one point and then i don't remember what happened to them afterwards well china is famous for having super malls we've talked about that before you yeah know, these 10 story malls and so every time i go into one of these 10 story malls my wife and i we like to walk around pretty much to every deck and every place to see hey, what is this mall that we've never been to kind of like and there's always a pet store at least one yeah and uh usually the pets in there are not dogs and cats usually the pets in there are like rabbits and chinchillas and hamsters and fish and all the other small critters. So I think I imagine based on the fact that these are the kind of animals that you can find in a mall that maybe a lot of people have small pets like children might have hamsters or have rabbits and things like that. At one point we did have a rabbit. So we had a rabbit here in China. But you know, again, getting back to the topic of our show, mm. even though Summer and I have had a rabbit and we have cats 
sets and stuff, they don't cost that much. But I'm also thinking maybe there's a disconnect between what it costs to you know keep a pet in China versus what it costs because the cost of living here is just you know like um, a lot lower for food and like normal things, non-luxury items, normal everyday things are much much cheaper yeah. in China. So I think maybe there's a disconnect and Americans are just struggling a lot worse than the rest of the world realizes. And I think that is kind of this entire thing is getting at because again, going back, people don't want to give up their pets. And if they have to give up their pets, then the economy must be a lot worse because there are metrics for the economy. And most of the metrics that American newscasters and news pundits use are two. Yeah. How's the stock market doing? How's unemployment? And then they just guess everything else based off those two famous metrics. Well, the pet ownership metric mm. and the new metric that we're creating today is indicating that the U.S. economy is not doing well and that mm. unemployment and the stock market are not good indicators of how poor, how hard the situation is on you know the bottom 50% of Americans who are, in a lot of cases, giving up their pets. And, you know, shelter overflow is now a metric for, hey, a lot of Americans are struggling so bad that they're literally giving up family yeah. members. And, you know, that shouldn't be the case. You should be able to afford to have a cat or a dog or something, you know. Yeah, it is a very unlikely index. And I don't know if this is ever going to be something that will be, you know, officially economic for people to look at when they want to see how the economy is doing. But I think emotionally, it really does make a lot of sense if you're talking about people that you know who treat their pets as their family members next to human beings and they have to give them up and they're not abandoning them of course which is great that they're sending them to shelters but if that's the last thing someone would do to just live then on that level in a way you have a clearer vision of what it means for them to survive under a certain economic situation you know i found some more data here in this article yeah that talks about the point that you're making about surviving this is from the forbes article top sacrifices made by dog owners mm. 32 2.29% lived on a tighter budget to afford their dog's expenses. And we remember earlier that board director was saying that it was big dogs that primarily were being given up. And statistic number two is 13.96% moved mm. from an apartment to a house so their dog would have a yard, which is also what you said you would do before you got a dog. Yeah. So I guess for people, maybe it's not just being able to afford their dog's expenses, but maybe they moved recently from a house to a small apartment and having a big dog was no longer feasible. Maybe. That could be it too, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. At least a, a contributing factor yeah. to some of these yeah. situations. Okay. This one I just think is funny. I want to say this because I think it's an interesting and anecdotal statistic. 6.78% have broken up with a significant other who didn't like their dog. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were just talking about uh, another friend who had a, a divorce. Sorry, I shouldn't say this with a smile on my face. They had a divorce. It was a happy marriage, but they let the ex-wife take the cat and then they both know and all of our friends know that the ex-wife doesn't love the cat but she had to take the cat because 
It's just a winning move that she wanted to do. And I was like, you were putting a huge dent on your integrity as a person. <laughs> you just gave your cat to your ex-wife oh, who is publicly not a cat lover. So it is insane. I don't like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I find that absolutely bizarre. Maybe after a few weeks after she had that victory, I'm hoping there's a get it back. Get it back. Where like he was like, come on, just give me the cat, you know, give me whiskers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, please get the cat back to me so that a cat could live. I think this is a great a story for like a, you know, a TV show or a movie or something. 6.78% broke up with a significant other who didn't like their dog. I mean, you do see that on dating <laughs> profiles, though. You must like pets, right? Cat lover, yeah, dog exactly. lover. Yeah. So, you know, if you hate dogs, but you find this really cute boy on your dating social profile, don't go there. Sorry, that cute boy is out of range unless you're willing to put up with the dog. Oh, no, you should put something that's grossly and not grossly, but, you know, super intimate that you do with your pets like i can't live without my pet any day or whatever because if you just say dog lover or a pet lover there are going to be people that come to find you or talk to you because they're like oh yeah well this person's really charming i can put up with the pet but they don't really know what they're signing up for if they're not a pet person themselves and that's what's going to result in these breakups where you are like i can't be with you anymore because of your dog mm. last thing this is from sixth tone i think that's sixth tone i'm not sure if they're shutting down i heard some rumors this is from september 27 2023 the the superstore betting on China's animal attractions. So basically the article, I've already read it, goes into mm. Chinese consumers are obsessed with pets now. And I guess this is not a trend that existed 10 or 20 years ago. So there's an, a considerable uptick in pet loving in China. People want to have pets. Could you tell me as our resident Chinese uh -huh. uh, host, is this true? You know, in your mom's and dad's? Of course. So in your grandma's generation, having a pet was not as common as in your generation? So for my grandpa's, for our grandpa's, parents generation having a pet is usually functional instead of just you know adding a family member or having a pet really it's like they have a dog they have a cat but it's not like oh i want to make this dog or this cat have a certain lifestyle and we want to make it look cute and make us you know <laughs> but in our generation my parents never had pets and they're my mom is generally afraid of dogs which is you know a little annoying to me <laughs> i want them to have a cat or dog so I can constantly go visit but <laughs> people our generation like nowadays if you look at all of the services first off just quickly a couple of things that you've seen i'm pretty sure you've seen jason you've seen mm -hmm. cat or dog cafes where people who can't people like me yeah. who can't afford to have they're a across pet. the street yeah, exactly there's so many of yeah. those you pay a certain amount of money and then you just go there as if you would go to any other coffee shop the only difference there are like 10 cute little cats or or little corgis that will whack over to you and play with you <laughs> that stops you from working which is the purpose of going to the place which is to procrastinate there's also a lot of resorts now you know Araya, which is a very popular vacation spot they have this one section uh, where they built this really futuristic architectural style hotel and that's designed for people to bring their dogs to go and stay there. So everyone that you meet in the hotel wow. is a dog owner with their pets. And then a lot of other, mm. there are similar resorts all over China as well because people want to take their pets, want to take their dogs for a spin, want to take cats with mm. them. They don't want to leave them alone just in case they, you know, pee and poo on their bed like my friend's Emma's cat. <laughs> and there is also a lot of <laughs> what I mentioned earlier. There's like catering services for animals. You know, if you want to throw them a birthday party, you 
want to throw them like wow. yeah like they're cats and dogs weddings as well oh so. my gosh no it's so popular <laughs> it has i know i know it's so popular it has kind of i've never heard of that that's bizarre it is but the fact that so many young people have pets and they really want to spend money on their pets have given birth to this whole pet services industry in china please add to this conversation by telling us do you have birthday parties for your pets <laughs> whether you're in china whether you're in the united states or uzbekistan we want you to email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com and tell us do you have birthdays for your pets what kind of pet do you have and what do you do to celebrate its birthday if you are a birthday celebrator for your pet thank you so much for your time listeners thank you so much for your time alex thank you jason and we will never say no to cute pet photos 